Hey, Cassie, you want to hear a joke? Yes. What do you call a pasta with allergies? I don't even know. Mac and sneeze. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> hey, Brittany. What? What did the receiver say to the radio wave? I don't know. Ouch, that megahertz. <laughs> <laughs> that was cute. That was cute. There were two vegan girls from Texas who were podcast geeks. They both said, hey, let's do something where we both speak. And even though they weren't known, they bought a microphone to start recording at home. They have a podcast now. It's kind of funny. We think it's another vegan podcast every week. Um, Welcome to another vegan podcast. I'm Cassie. And I'm Brittany, and this is episode 38, and we are, like, no longer a weekly podcast, like our theme song states we are. (laughs) We're working on it. We're such big liars. stuff. (laughs) Oh, God. We had, you guys, we had so much stuff. Like, the most stuff. This is, like, the podcast is such small stuff compared to the stuff we were stuffing. So yeah, uh, the last time we left you guys, we were about to go to New York, which we did that. Right, it Cassie? It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Oh my God. We went to like all the different places and we did a whole episode on it <laughs> <laughs> that you'll never hear. Or maybe you will. Maybe I'll release it like later when it when it's arbitrary and silly and we just need to fill our episode or something. But we went to like all the different restaurants, and we didn't like any of them, and it was fine. Uh, no, we had so much fun. We had, like, the most fun in New York, and it, was, it wasn't even, like, all the restaurants that made it fun. It was, like, all the cool things we got to do and see, and um, the people we got to and pretend Texas to be. sucks. Yeah, and while we were there, we were thinking, like, how hot it was, and then as soon as I got back to Texas, I was like, yeah, that wasn't hot. Yeah, I know. Like, we got to New York and we were just like, oh, okay, so it's like 97 degrees here. It's like 97 degrees in Texas. And then, like, the day we got back in Texas, I think my, like, car was saying it was like 103. And I was just like, (laughs) fuck. Yeah, that's a big difference. 97 was the hottest part of the day in New York. (laughs) Yeah, and it wasn't all that hot all the time. Like, as soon as it, as soon as nightfall hit, it was totally manageable. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, so we went to New York. Then what did we do after that? Oh, after that, we were planning and implementing a mac and cheese off, which uh, we've done that. We did we did done that, and it was pretty amazing. I don't think That's we mentioned successful. it. Yeah, I think I think it was really successful. It was like really crowded. We had twenty competitors. How many people were in the building? Do you think? Like, at the end of the day, was it like 300? It was around 300. <laughs> it was yes. a lot. So we had about 300 people in attendance, uh, including 20 teams of vegan macaroni and cheese competitors. And we had it at this place called Mission Possible in Austin. It's just this public space, and it's usually used as a church. But we uh, brought some devilish energy to the building with our evil vegan ways i think (laughs) uh anyway they were really nice for hosting us they hosted us for free and then we had uh three winners and anyway it was it was such a good turnout and we're gonna do it every single year until people get tired of it which i don't know if people will get tired of macaroni and cheese i am already tired of macaroni and cheese and i only had like four samples the whole time i was there so i actually made macaroni and cheese this week Gross, how could you do that? Like, how did you manage to do that willingly after seeing and being around all of that vegan macaroni and cheese? It's like a it's like a staple in my house. My daughter really likes mac and cheese, so I make like a, a vegan version of hamburger helper. Nice. Um, so what else did we do? Oh, we hello. We started a nonprofit organization. We started to start a nonprofit organization. It's not officially a nonprofit organization yet, but it, will be. It is. It is a, officially a nonprofit organization. It's not officially a five hundred one c three, which is the legal status. 
We are a nonprofit organization. We have been a nonprofit organization since we put the flag in the internet and said that this is like, hear ye, hear ye, ATX Vegans now owns this webpage. <laughs> um, yeah, we are technically already a nonprofit organization. We do not have our tax exempt status, though. And that is totally optional. But it's called ATX Vegans, which if you're not from the ATX, then you might not know that the ATX is Austin, Texas. And basically, we're filling in the gap that exists here between vegetarian organizations and nonprofits and event-type organizations. And we're just doing this kind of community-oriented food advocacy and networking org where we raise money for charity. I don't know how to put it. It's it's, it's a working it's a working description. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a lot. We're doing a lot. So basically, the mac and cheese off. What it was technically it was a mac and cheese fest. I guess what we kept saying, but it was called the Texas Mac and Cheese Off, and we spelled cheese with a Z. That was the only like way, other than reading the event description. That was the only way we identified it as a vegan. Uh, event which might have contributed to the high attendance but (laughs) that was our first official event with ATX Vegans and it's different than what you might have heard before on the show which is ATX Vegan Drinks which is something that's been around for much longer than than we have and we decided to take our vegan drinks events which are events that we have once a month the first Friday we raise some money for charity and people come out and drink um, at like a food trailer or, or a vegan restaurant or or any restaurant that goes vegan for the night that wants us there. And so now we've taken that organization and put it under the umbrella of our much bigger organization and we are planning a trip to a water park in Texas. We did the Mac and Cheese Fest and the last kind of big hurrah for 2017 is going to be our vegan prom which i'm really excited you're very excited about i am like so excited because i go to goodwill like probably once a month just to like look at some stuff because i i talked to my friend like a few months ago about like how damaging the clothing industry is like to the environment and so now i'm on this big kick of like only getting stuff secondhand because of how much the textile industry contributes to global warming, which is a lot, and like how disposable we view clothes now. So anyway, that's a whole other thing. But I've been going to Goodwill, and they have so many prom dresses there. And so I think I'm just going to like go there like once a week, like different Goodwills, and just find like the perfect prom dress um, at, at, at 29 years old. <laughs> I am gonna wear um the perfect prom dress that I already own, which is my prom dress from high school. My mom sold like all of my sisters because both of my sisters went to prom. I think multiple years. Um, there's like yeah, four I or had five two prom dresses combined, and she I think she sold everyone's prom dress but mine, and mainly because she paid so much money for mine. Um, you have to keep it forever. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember it was like a joke because, like, I think I think our limit was like two or three hundred dollars, which is like a lot. Like now that I'm an adult, is like a lot for a fucking dress. Yeah, but those prom dresses are night. expensive. They are. My mom bought me like it was like a six hundred and thirty dollar prom dress. Like I went, like like my mom was just like, remember how much I paid for this, and uh, she like joked with me. She always joked with me that I had to wear it to my wedding too. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my prom dress and wedding dress. Um, and so she talked about selling it and I was just like, no, you can't sell my dress. Like, that's my dress. It's going to stay at your house, but it's my dress. Um, and so they're actually flying to Wisconsin this weekend. And so they're going to, when they come up, they're going to bring my prom dress so I can try it on. Cause I nice. think I might actually be around the same weight I was in high school and Perfect. body size. So I think it might actually fit me. That would be awesome. It's like a, it's like a fucking ball gown, man. It's like a teal ball gown. It's amazing. This is so exciting. My my prom dress was this little tiny red thing. Like it was strapless. 
I don't know how I got these tits into a strapless dress. It was <laughs> like short, like you could see my knees in it, which is something I don't ever do now. So I don't know. Aww. I think I might be no. Oh no, I was much smaller when I was in high school. I don't have a chance of fitting in that. Anyway, I'm gonna find something at Goodwill, and I'm gonna have something that holds up my breasts. <laughs> I I'm I'm still I've never accomplished that. Like I always. Like, my prom dress is also strapless. I think my dress for my sister's wedding, my maid of honor dress, which my mom was also bringing because she's convinced that I'm going to wear it to prom, even though it's brown and I only wore it to my sister's wedding. But yeah, so my mom was going to bring that as well because she's like, well, it looks really good on you. And I was like, this is prom. Why wouldn't I wear my prom dress that I have? And she's like, but I think she just wants to get out of her closet. (laughs) So she's bringing it as well. So if I know anyone that wants to wear a strapless knee length taffeta brown dress with a big bow in the middle (laughs) you can wear that (laughs) it's free you guys just contact us at anothervegan.podcast.org you can can rent it for the night (laughs) i don't know is it still sentimental if they're divorced now (laughs) oh shit i mean it's free game it's not no longer a bad thing if i give it away is it bad luck (laughs) if you it's a bad like if you keep a bridesmaid dress or a maid of honor dress from a from a divorced marriage oh shit oh those poor people <laughs> sorry i mean it probably had something to do with the fact that you had a brown wedding that's that's thin. <laughs> doesn't make any sense like you started off wrong you put a hex on your wedding so i'm sure it was in style at the time so on this episode, we're not going to do a how to be a vegan because, I mean, why trust us? We haven't even been around. And instead, we're going to present to you, our lovely audience members, a very special interview with Brittany Aleskis from the Central Texas Pig Rescue. We had the opportunity, um, among the many other things we were doing, sorry we couldn't do the podcast this summer. We usually take a summer break anyway, but I think I just felt extra bad because we were taking uh, other breaks during the spring too. (laughs) Um, But uh, we got a chance to go out there and see like the one million pigs she has and donkeys and goats and... Who and else kitties, did she have out there? Cats. And she had little horses. Oh, the mini horses. Oh, God. They have a whole farm, you guys. Like a sanctuary, I should say. A sanctuary. But she let us come out there and interview her and compare her piggies. So we're going to have that interview a little later in the episode. But for right now, time for a quiz. Time for a quiz. Time for a quiz. Oh, you messaged me? Oh, yeah, I sent you a picture of my prom <gasps> Oh, my God. Because I found it on Instagram the other day. <laughs> you guys, Cassie sent me a picture of her prom dress. Oh, my God, it's adorable. I'm going to post it on our Instagram. That was me at 16. This is going to be the cover <laughs> no, for our episode. Oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> this is amazing. Okay. Uh, I was just coming off a bad bleach job, so my hair is like a weird color of orange. Oh, you're so cute. You have a nearly choker most, necklace. I know. The most striking thing, I still have that necklace. The most striking thing about that picture I was looking at the other day, and I was just like, oh my God, I have no tattoos. <gasps> That's so true. <laughs> time for a quiz? Time for a quiz. Time for a quiz. Say, kids, what time is it? to play with, or just something really exciting and dangerous to happen. Now here's some party fun. A new eatery in this city donates all of its profits to charity. In this city? Oh, the it, this city is the guess. Is it Chicago? It's not Chicago. Is it New York? It is New York. Oh, they have everything. Come on. I know. So owner of NYC's vegan fast casual chain, Terry, expanded into a fine dining space with plant-based restaurant PS Kitchen. And they've decided that this uh, particular restaurant is just going to any like profits it makes are going to be donated to uh, different charities. 
Nice. Like month to month or something. Yes. And then uh, DeRossi, Robbie DeRossi made a commitment last year to veganize um, as many as 15 of his New York restaurants. And he recently opened up a bar called Coup as a statement against uh, the current administration, donating all profits to organizations defunded by Trump, including the American Civil Liberties Union and Planned Parenthood. Yeah, that place is amazing. Like, uh, you go in and you get little coins from the bar, like these little, like, like, uh, like betting chips. And they have little areas around the bar where you can decide to put your your coin and that's like the charity that it goes to that's amazing it's really cool we should have we should have visited there we should have done a lot of stuff while we were in new york (laughs) (laughs) it's hard when you're drunk guys so just want to let you know (laughs) yeah the whole time it's not even necessarily harder it's just like oh no it'll be fine we can do that tomorrow (laughs) yeah there's always tomorrow when it's new york and you're not from there and you're leaving soon okay all right all right all right you ready yes This company, known for its new scientifically produced vegan burger, just announced that it tested on animals. Is it uh, the Impossible Burger? It is. There's only two, really, you could choose from. (laughs) Yeah, but there's only one that would actually do it, and it's the company that doesn't even market to vegans. Yeah. So yeah, um by the time this episode comes out, everyone will already know about this, but I was kind of like trying really hard to find news articles. Um the company's CEO, Pat Brown, says I personally abhor the exploitation of animals, but then decided to perform animal testing that was not required by law on an ingredient that is in the burger itself. So I'll read you guys the the thingy. Uh, He basically said, the core of Impossible Foods' mission is to eliminate exploitation of animals in the food system and to reduce the enormous destructive impact of the animal farming and fishing industries on the environment, including wildlife and the ecosystems they depend on. He said that while traditional vegan products are embraced by those willing to follow a plant-based diet, for the millions of meat eaters around the world... Innovative foods like the Impossible Burger are what will make the greatest impact in reducing animal suffering. So Brown, who actually is a vegan and has been a vegan for a long time, um, had his team isolate a plant substance uh, called soil hemoglobin, and they call it heme, and it is the part of the Impossible Burger that makes it taste meaty. He said that in testing, his team sought to do the least harm choosing a minimal amount of rats housed in the best conditions possible at a laboratory known for humane practices and hopes that these types of tests will never have to be conducted again. He said it's an industry standard to perform rat feeding studies to demonstrate that a food ingredient is not toxic and is safe. I personally abhor the exploitation of animals, not only in the food system, but in testing and research. He then said nobody is more committed or working harder to eliminate exploitation of animals than impossible foods. Avoiding the dilemma was not an option. We hope that we will never, ever have to face such a choice again, but choosing the option that advances the greater good is more important to us than ideological purity, which I would agree uh, with his statement if it was required, but it wasn't actually required. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like behind them until like, I just actually read this because I was just like, of course, because anyone who thinks that anything that's introduced into the market, just because it's not necessarily tested on by that company, like everything's tested on basically. Like you can't be like, oh, well this, like, I'm not going to eat this because this ingredient was tested on an animal. Because like, yeah, all most of the ingredients in food have been tested on animals at some point or another, which is why they're in foods. But this basically just sounds like it was all really fucking unnecessary. Yeah, like, and I get it, because I think the point of it is that heme, um, the substance heme, is really new to the food industry, and so in order to prevent, like, a recall later down the line, just because of the wariness of the product, especially because it's soy, that they decided to do animal testing on the front end, just so they can get that out of the way, so they never have to face that. On the other hand, how humane can it be to murder animals um our friend gabriel actually posted on uh one of the forums that we're on and he posited 
the question like replace those rats with your dog or your cat like would it be okay if they humanely fed them heme and then at the end of the experiment murdered them and is it worth it to have this burger and honestly i don't think it is fucking worth it like there already exists several burgers including the beyond burger which honestly is right on par just my opinion is right on par with the impossible foods burger i i like i enjoyed both of them i i wouldn't pick one over the other except for the fact that the beyond burger is so much cheaper and more accessible so yeah it's not worth it at this point it's also like i mean i feel shitty saying this because like we tasted them we didn't know this like at the time whenever we tried them we were in new york yeah we had Um, them at new york guys we went to this place called bear burger which is one of the only places in new york that serves the impossible burger vegan and we went there and we had one of these burgers and it wasn't that good like i mean it was good for like a restaurant but and i guess i've seen a lot of criticism i guess about the impossible burger where people talk about how it's so expensive at restaurants which isn't really something the restaurants can control and if you were to eat the Beyond Meat Burger at a restaurant would be the same price. But as far as just like comparing taste and texture, the Beyond Burger is honestly, in my opinion, so much better. Yeah. I mean, the flavor was there, but the texture was like less on par than the Beyond Burger was. It was like, it's kind of like papery. I don't even know if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like like tiny little flakes. Yeah. Yeah, it was Um, weird. And so... It definitely, like, we just got it in Austin at a couple of different places, and there was, like, a whole thing where we, like, got the restaurants to make sure they had vegan buns, and I was actually kind of excited, because, like, this could be a place that I go, and if my family comes to town, they don't want to go to, but, like, now it's just, it's not even, it's not even worth it. Like, it's not good enough for me to feel justified that they tested this on animals. Yeah, like, it's not worth it, and, and I and I, mean, I, I don't know it. if there ever would be a place that it would be good enough, like, there would be a threshold of, like, flavor, but it just, it yeah definitely not worth it yeah i'd rather i'd rather them serve beyond patties that are cheaper and more accessible (laughs) and the only criticism i have in beyond versus impossible is that the impossible burger was a lot less greasy which i liked because i greasy foods just mess me up man like not not like gastrointestinally but like psychologically like i just feel really gross after i eat them i don't know but yeah. <laughs> but it's not worth the $10 more per patty, you know? Like I I can yeah. get I can get grease off of a beyond burger. Like that's a possibility and, and like that's within the realm of my control is to get it less greasy. So I I can do that. Uh, and to your point like everything down the line was tested on animals and we actually posted on our Facebook page a while ago when the news came out like will you eat this burger now? And uh, we had someone immediately respond like, fuck no, I wouldn't eat the burger. But, you know, on, on top of that, like there are so many products that we consume, which were at one point tested on animals. Like where do we draw the line though? Is like how, when is the product vegan? You know, like at one point Advil was tested on animals, but it's been so long, you know, they've proven that the ingredients are safe and, you know, you consume Advil if it's, if it's vegan, you know, ingredient wise. So how long will impossible foods have to wait before we consider the product vegan and honestly at this point it's so fresh i don't consider it vegan anymore like in my head in my mind i'm just like nope fuck it it's not vegan and i'm i'm fine with that i'm comfortable with it and honestly it might just be a a fad product anyway like it might just be gone you know in a few years anyway yeah i don't know that's just something that we can ask ourselves like you know, animal testing exists and products that we consume as vegans were once tested on animals. That's a no-brainer. Like, you can't escape that. And something that we should think about is when is a product vegan? How long after the animal testing? And what kind of products can be vegan? Will this ever be vegan? And will will we will we support products like this where there are multitudes, there are myriad different types of vegan burgers on the market we didn't need this they're not changing hearts and minds like the 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 changing hearts and minds with the impossible burger has come from its marketing not from its substance if you just replace that with the beyond burger you're done like they're saving the world so i don't know i don't consider a vegan anyway that was long-winded 
Your turn. This group is secretly funding plant-based companies. Is it the vegan mafia? It's the vegan mafia. I saw that. I didn't read anything, but I saw something about it. Well, now you get to know. So a powerful group of investors, including Google Ventures CEO Bill Maris, come forward to reveal their vegan mission for a better world. Uh, CNBC uncovered that a group of like-minded investors that refer to themselves as the vegan mafia, (laughs) which is amazing. Members include prominent entrepreneurs, biotech engineers, and venture capitalists from across the country who use their capital to fund mission-driven startups with a vegan lean. Love it. Bill Morris, who has confirmed that he is vegan and has an investment firm, VegInvest. Nice. Uh, His partner is Jody Rash and co-founders of Veggie Grill Kevin Boylan and TK Hillen and Zyko Water founder Mark Rampola. The best quote of this article is this isn't about kale and tofu. Well, some of it is, <laughs> but it's also about bringing new biotech to food, drugs and material. Uh so yeah, so there is a rich capitalist group of vegans who are funding stuff, which is cool. I love it, I guess. Hey man, work with the system you got. <laughs> yeah. If it it leads to more vegan products and more people acknowledging that vegan food is real food, then I'm all for it. That's cool. Okay, you ready for mine? Yes, please. La Cupboard is a new startup in San Francisco which aims to sell vegan food through this interesting medium. Is it a teacup? Because that would be amazing. A teacup? (laughs) Pizza in a teacup. (laughs) That's what I think of whenever I think of cupboards. A cheese plate and a teacup. Uh, no. Are you ready? Do you want to know what it is or do you want to keep guessing weird Ge- guesses? Yes. No, I don't want to make any more guesses. <laughs> They're selling vegan food through vending machines. Oh. Ah! That's cool. Yeah, here, let me scroll. <laughs> so San Francisco-based, the covered, uh, has vending machines that offer plant-based snacks and entrees and will soon pop up in public spaces. The vending machines, which the company calls Mobile Cupboards, offer entrees and snacks that feature the company's own proprietary grain, which has no sugar. And I don't know if they have a name for the grain, but um, I think they're the only company that uses it. And they have pictures on this article about it. We'll post it in the show notes. It looks really good. And it says, unlike a traditional vending machine, the options aren't shown in a transparent case. So consumers have to give the machine a bit of information before it generates an order. And um, the CEO of the cupboard says, if you're a pregnant woman and need more iron and you happen to not like cinnamon and you feel like you have a special report for work this afternoon, we take that information and curate a menu and give you three or four choices of things that you can eat. I already hate this. Yeah, it's weird. So (laughs) she says the goal is to feel satisfied from the mental perspective and feel like you had a nutritionist and chef working for you and there are currently about 10 locations in san francisco they are stationed right now mainly like at offices and partner locations but in the coming months the company is hoping to expand to 30 additional machines in public spaces and they come in these little containers that are made of glass and it's uh, what they're calling a pseudo subscription model which uh, means that customers pay a markup to receive the items in the glass jars and dishes and so the money is actually a deposit and it transfers back to the consumer when they return the glassware and um, you can order via app which lets the machine get to know your specific restrictions which includes anything from foods that control low blood sugar to nut allergies and it keeps the experience more private for those that don't want to share their medical restrictions with other people people can just like stop or by like the a machine. machine yeah it's a vending machine <laughs> uh <laughs> <and> <laughs> it says that people can just like stop by the machine and put their restrictions in on the spot if they want to but people can also use the app for more privacy which i don't know how an app really affords you privacy in this day and age but it helps you feel that way i mean it seems like it's just like like it's a really complicated way to get a snack that may not even be what you want. <laughs> exactly. And it looks like super gourmet food. And I'm sure it's not cheap like at all. <laughs> They're yeah. like I'm like when I think of vending machines, I think of like junk. Yeah. I'm, like lucky if I can get some Oreos or a bag of chips. Yeah, they should have like made a vending machine just like with already existing accidentally vegan products. It just has like barbecue lays, um <laughs> Skittles. Oreos. 
gosh. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's way fancier. It's it's kind of like the new evolution because like first it was just regular vending machines, then it was vending machines that are a little bit healthier, and now it's like cupcakes in a vending machine. And now, like, in the future, it's, like, full, like, kale-rific meals in a glass container that you return back to the vending machine at some point. And someone, like, I guess someone has to go open it and clean it. Yeah, we just, like, won't even have restaurants. We'll just go to vending machines lined up on the street. Yeah, and pay $30 for one (laughs) serving of, like, nut balls. Yeah. (laughs) With a proprietary grain. Anyway, I'm. I mean, I'm laughing at this, but it's San Francisco, so maybe people can like afford to get this like yeah. probably bland food from a probably not safe vending machine. I mean, it's cool, like concept. Like the concept of it is like a nice theory, but in practicality, it just seems like frivolous in my opinion it does and if you have like, 30 of those things and the you have like one commissary kitchen and you like have to go deliver those meals to the vending machine it's yeah. it's weird like how how often do you have to like refill the food how shelf stable is the food well i'm sure like, it's a refrigerator and so as long as so everything's cold then like nothing's for sure yeah yeah it's i don't know i don't know how i feel about that yeah it's very niche very very niche i don't know good luck to them it's not for us we vote no it it, honestly it makes veganism sound just as snooty as people think it is right yeah no that's it's like the like veganism is for rich white people (laughs) that's what it sounds like even the name of the company is uppity it's called la cupboards because i guess cupboards is too plain and poor sounding and so they want to put le in front of it to make it sound french and robust and rich and fancy and shit and it's really not is that how you say cupboard in french that's my next question yeah it's le cupboard <laughs> le cupboard yeah i'm sure it's not le cupboard if if that's what it is then i fuck them like i'm no endorsement whatsoever <laughs> we're we're cutting the ad anyway <laughs> oh my god we should make ads like for companies that we don't like that should be our new thing. <gasps> that would be so much fun. Do you ever have like $30 to spend and you don't know on what? Try a vending machine mm-hmm. that only serves white people food. Only serves white people food. The whitest <laughs> of all white foods. It's you refrigerated for your enjoyment. <laughs> and you tell them your blood sugar level and it gives you a snack. <laughs> and then if you don't know your blood sugar levels, it's like, what? You don't carry around a blood sugar pen? It shames you. Are you pregnant. Could you potentially be pregnant? Do you feel like your iron is low? <laughs> have a sandwich made of sushi. A <laughs> sandwich made of sushi. Yeah, this vending machine does not have sandwiches. Like, that's for fucking sure. Like, the pictures are, like, green and yellow and shit. Like, they're, they're like, little balls on, like, a bed of kale and fresh tomatoes. <laughs> on the side of it, it's, like, gluten is for the devil. <laughs> Basically. There's, like, a parfait... Ah, uh, it's so stupid. <laughs> oh, they're the names of their foods. La Versailles and La Santorini. Those are the names of two of their snacks. There's uh, La Cairo, which is the... <laughs> La Cairo, like Egypt. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, good luck to them. Yeah, this is gone in a year. Guaranteed. Um, okay, so folks... Next up is our interview that we promised with Brittany Alaskas from Central Texas Pig Rescue. Do you like healthy food or do you like junk food? Do you like healthy food or do you like junk food? I like chocolate bars and I like apple pie. Hey guys, we're here at Central Texas Pig Rescue with Brittany Aleskis. Her and her husband, Dan, operate this sanctuary out in Bastrop, Texas, which is about 40 minutes from where Cassie and I live. I used to live out here, so this isn't that far to me. Oh, so it's like nothing? Yeah. See, I, I felt like I was driving to Houston. Yeah. Like... Because I really was. Anyway, hi, Brittany. Hi. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for coming out all the way to Bastrop. I know. It was really torturous. 
And I had to drive on gravel, which I'm really afraid of driving on gravel. It better be worth it. You got to pet pigs. It was 100% worth it. I, I'd say so. I got <laughs> to touch pigs, to pet pigs. I held one. Just kidding. I didn't, I didn't hold any of the pigs. I expected to. They would scream. They do not like being held. They probably would scream. We haven't heard a pig screaming yet. No. Which I'm glad. But their only defense in nature is if something picks them up, they scream because they it's not like they have talons or sharp teeth. So yeah. they're going to scream so you'll drop them. So the other animals are just like, no, 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 never mind. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah, definitely. <laughs> Literally, fuck that noise. <laughs> uh, okay, so can you tell us about your sanctuary? Yes. So uh, we run a three-acre sanctuary. We currently have 126 animals. 92 of them are pigs. Uh, we bring in pigs from abuse, abandonment, or cruelty cases. Um, most of them are pot bellies, uh, so smaller pigs that are about 100 to 200 pounds. But we also have a few that have been saved from slaughter that are part of our big kid club and live out in the front of our property and in the woods so people can meet all sizes of pigs. And we really advocate, educate, and try to rehabilitate on behalf of pigs so help people can meet them before they get one. We think that's a really important thing. They're not like bringing home a dog. So we really want people to understand what they're getting into. And just come have a different experience with an animal. See how special they are. See how smart they are. So we do tours. We do volunteer groups. Um, we do podcasts. We do events um, when the weather's a little bit nicer. Um, so we just try to put it out in the community about how amazing pigs are and let people get to know them. So most of your animals come from cruelty cases or abandonment? Mm-hmm. So do you have any pigs at all from, like, the meat industry? We do. Um, so with the meat industry, you can't just walk up to a slaughterhouse and you can't just take a pig from them. There's a lot of legal regulations. They can't release those. So if they're not suitable for meat, they'll just euthanize them and put them in a dumpster typically. And then they'll process the ones that are appropriate for that. So what we do is we try to get them before they go there. So when you rescue um, pigs from a slaughter situation, it's usually private owners who bought them to slaughter or you go to auctions and you get them there. So we have four right now. Three of them are from a private owner. One of them was a stray from an animal shelter. So she ended up with us. Nice. <laughs> what is the hardest part about running the sanctuary? The hardest part about running the sanctuary is honestly, it's not a typical animal that people feel compassion for. So trying to get people to include pigs in the circle of compassion is a big deal. You get a lot of um, bacon jokes. We get a lot of people who are really curious and they don't mean it necessarily in a mean way, but this is an animal that we've devoted ourselves to and we devote our lives to. And we think they're amazing. They're like having kindergartners around. They're so smart and they're so personable and they're so intelligent and they're really, really curious. And so having people understand that about them and then have the offhanded comment that oh well bacon or things like that and helping people understand that like they're more than that like you have to understand that so have you gotten anyone to go vegan that's visited here um we have people that started following us on instagram are now vegan and come out to the sanctuary as like a treat to be like i did it i wanted to meet the pigs in person um people that come out they do get back to us and they're like i started thinking differently about what i did i stopped eating pork or then it kind of for them i think it's like the slow snowball and so it starts to pick up i'm like well i met chickens out there too so i'm not going to eat chickens and things like that so they really do start to connect that and like we have a lot of kids come out and the kids ask and they're very very curious about so this is bacon. Pigs, bacon comes from pigs. And you're like, yes, we don't eat our pigs. And they're like, I like these pigs. Like, and so I want, I always wonder when they go home, like what they're gonna think. But I think that it's something that you don't know where those seeds are, that you plant are gonna go. And if you put it out there, I mean, the worst that happens is you put your message out there, and if people pick up on it and they re it resonates with them, that's great. And if it doesn't, maybe they had a different experience. Maybe that'll circle back in ten years, and that will trigger something at that point. But. You never know. <laughs> yeah, and just having them come out is worth it, probably. Yeah, the pigs, I think, do more to inspire people to be more conscious about their food choices or maybe to go vegan or maybe to explore vegetarianism if they're, the, the vegan word is so scary to so many people. Yeah. Um, and there's such a stigma attached to it, which is, it's silly. It's just a, it's just a concept and it's just a, a set of principles and morals that you're living your life by. It's not anything threatening. But people being just more conscious of, of what it is and, like, what these animals are. And maybe they, you know, they petted a belly and they met a pig and they really liked that pig. And so now they're starting to think about it differently. Yeah. So speaking of chickens, who else lives here? <laughs> oh, uh, we have a whole crew. So we have um, donkeys and goats. And the donkeys protect our property from coyotes, uh, dogs, predators, and snakes. Uh, we have chickens, uh, we have cats, we have dogs, and I think that's it right now. We had a peacock for a while, <laughs> nice. and we had a pheasant at, a, at one point. <laughs> cats, you would have been scared to death then. 
Whatever. to come out here. I'm I glad you didn't say I was kind of freaked out whenever you were like, the rooster might run at you. And I was just like, I'm just going to stand here until he runs out of You're place. a lot bigger than he is. He's three pounds. The ferocious rooster. I know. He's the biggest jerk on the property. <laughs> yeah. It's always the little ones. Yeah. He's, Humans and animals. He's pretty tough, but it's funny because the cats are part of the rooster, like, manners training now. So it's like, we do what we do and we pick him up and we, like, don't let him aggress towards us. And we're like, that's enough. And then the cats, if they see him starting to stalk, they'll bolt at him and run. Mm-hmm. And they won't chase, like, they won't try to catch him, but they'll just chase him out of the way. And then they'll lay down and I'm like, <laughs> all right, everybody's on board. <laughs> Who's your favorite pig? Oh, I don't think I have one. You can't say that. You have to pick. Who's your favorite child, Brittany? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really hard. Eleanor, our first pig, I think has to be. She's the one who started it all. We adopted her from a small farm rescue when she was two months old. She was 10 pounds. And she really put us through the ringer. Um, anybody who brings home a pet pig, it's I think it's like bringing home a child. You, have, you did your research. You have a preconceived notion of what it's going to be or how you're going to respond to it. And they throw all the rules out the window. So we thought maybe she'd want to be inside or she'd be indoor, outdoor, and would, like, just want to hang out with us at night and then maybe go outside during the day. She wanted to be outside all the time, and she'd come to the back door and yell at us to come out with her. And she wanted us to live in the yard with her, which wasn't an option. She's like, it's out here, guys. Yeah, she was very – and we were like, well, we have to make dinner. Or we have to do laundry. We have to be inside. Or it's 100 degrees outside. We would like to be inside. So we adopted Franklin to be her friend so she'd have a buddy. But – we fell so in love with like her willfulness and her intelligence and she knows when you're talking to her and she knows what you want, but she won't do it unless there's something in it for her. Mm-hmm. Pigs make you work for their affection. Um, they're prey animals, so they need to trust you. They need to click into you a little bit more. And so like finally getting to that point with her was the most rewarding thing. And like we could load her in the car, we could take her places, we could do things and she would behave very well. So like building that bond with her really allowed us to build what we've built out here with the rest of these pigs. And once we listened to Eleanor, we really started to figure out what we were doing. We just had to listen to her. We couldn't listen to any, any of the books or any of the preconceived notions. We had to listen to Eleanor. Yeah. Speaking of books and preconceived notions, uh, what do you wish people would know more about pigs? Uh, I wish people would know that there's no such thing as a micro or teacup pig. They do not stay small. Um, they are malnourished or they are very young at that case. So breeders, there are no regulations for them. They will tell you whatever they can. If you're going to pay them $2,000, $4,000, $10,000 for a special pig, they're going to tell you whatever they need. But there is no regulations for them, and they will prescribe these special diets that are starvation diets for these animals, and they will die very young, and they will live really short, painful lives. And I wish people knew how smart they are. This is not bringing home a dog. There are very few resources who can help you if you get into trouble. Finding a vet is really difficult. Um, Or there's no pig trainer that's going to come to your house and help you work through behavioral issues. They can get aggressive. They will not get along with your dogs. Um, It can end very badly with pigs and dogs. So you have to build your whole life around them if you want to bring one home. You really have to adjust your schedule to be up and home at the same time so they can stay on their meal schedule. They're a farm animal, so they want to get up real early and they want to eat real early so you don't ever get to sleep in. Like, you have to adjust everything to them. So, like, just make sure you're really aware of that before you bring home an animal that lives for 15 to 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, how much do they eat? Depends on the size. So, when they're growing, they will eat a little bit more because you want to feed them by weight. And as they're going through growth spurts, just like with children, they'll need more. Um, at this point, most of our pigs, our adult pigs, are kind of in the 100 to 180-pound range, and they eat about a cup of food twice a day. So they do eat a pelleted pig feed. That's a really easy way to to feed them. You can also supplement that with vegetables. They love fruit, but they shouldn't have too much it's really sugary for them. Pigs can eat just about anything you can eat. So people that don't know will feed them all sorts of things. They will feed them pizza. They will feed them fries because they are demanding and they scream and they want these snacks, Mm -hmm. but they should not have them. So you have to be pretty firm with the discipline. It's like a kid who eats Cheetos all the time. They're not going to want green beans. I mean, hopefully they still do, but uh, the pigs are, they really need to be on their pelleted feed that's meant for them. It's got the right balance of nutrients, but. Once they get a little bit older, you don't need to increase their feed as much. You can kind of level off to a maintenance amount. So in terms of feed, they're not a highly expensive animal. It's your vet bills that are going to really run you into it. Yeah, you were telling us that you have, like, is it $600 per spay? Yes. And then, like, on top of that, to stay extra and yeah. then one of, <laughs> one of them just costs you a bunch of money? Our most recent vet bill was $6,500 to spay nine girls, plus complications for one of them. 
Uh, finding vet care for a pet pig is really tricky. A lot of vets will say that they see pigs, but that doesn't mean they know pigs. So they might have had a vet school rotation. They might know um, standard size pigs, but they might not know a mini pig, and they might not know that uh, they're supposed to be pretty round. A lot of vets will try to tell you your pig might be overweight, and they're judging it based on the dog scale. <laughs> uh, they don't have a waist like a dog has. They don't have that nice little nip-in. They're called pot-bellied pigs. The pot belly is there. That's part yeah. of them. You can definitely tell when they are overweight, and that's not something you want to get into with them. You want to keep them at a healthy weight. But finding a vet who knows proper anesthesia protocol, who is affordable, all of those are really tricky. The reason we pay $600 a spay is we go to A&M because they are the only ones we trust to spay. Everyone else, we called and interviewed them that are a little bit closer, and we just weren't comfortable with their protocols, so we chose to go there. Do you guys take volunteers? We do. Um, we have a Facebook volunteer group, and it's CTPR Volunteers. Once they've attended an orientation, they're free to set their own hours and their own times to come out. Some people come out once a week. Some people come out twice a month. Some people come out every other month. Just kind of what they want to do, but we like the orientation. It's about safety, what to do in case a pig gets out, which doesn't happen, but like you need to kind of know how to manage anything that might pop up, um, what to watch out for out here, where everything is, so that way you can kind of manage your own time. So we can be around, but not have to be supervising as much. And then we do do special volunteer days. We have a, a kids events that we'll do. We have um, large scale events that we might do in Austin that we might need help with. We might do build days. So all of that is on the Facebook group that people can join and then they can contact us to set up some times. Okay. Are you ready for rapid fire? Okay. What's your favorite TV show? Game of Thrones. Like easily? Yeah. Oh, it just came back on. You already I know. watched the first episode? We we run a rescue, so we got rid of HBO to better funnel our money. So now I'm just like stalking it online and reading like the little uh, the little recaps. Of your favorite post. show? You can't even get it. No, uh, it didn't seem like a prudent use of money. Would you like my HBO password? <laughs> that would be great. Okay, I will get that to you real quick. Uh, what's your favorite restaurant? Oh, I have to say in Bastrop. There is a really good vegan bakery called Tough Cookie, and they have really good treats, and all of their baked goods that they make there are vegan. Um, and then they have, like, a vegetarian and vegan-like lunch menu. So yes. I love them because they are here. They are seven minutes from the house, and I don't have to drive really far. Other than that, i got to say it's probably Arlo's because you really can't go wrong with a burger the size of your head that's yeah. vegan. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, vegans love junk food too, y'all. Yeah. Something that... People don't know about vegans. Right. And I even vegans don't know about vegans. No. I know one of our All volunteers brought us vegan donuts the other day, and I had so many of them, and they were so delicious. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite band? The... Shoot. Modest Mouse. <laughs> That's your favorite. Sure. We saw Modest Mouse. We did. But we had headaches by the time we played. Because <laughs> we saw... Uh, Brand new. It was Modest Mouse and Brand New, and it was. And we sat right by the speakers. The oh, I'm sure. Theater thing in the grass. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, it sounded much better outside of the. Yeah. <laughs> While we were walking to the car, it, was, it sounded so. Modest much Mouse has been like a staple since like middle school for me. So yeah, it's one yeah. of those things that like every time they come out with an album, I still love them. But like my inner like 15 year old still loves like Hanson. And we'll still totally still like still have, rock the Spice Girls. I have a friend that goes to Hanson does like a, a reunion, like this big show in Hawaii every year, and she goes every year with her sister. See, like, the, like I'm very big on nostalgia. Like yeah. I recently bought a Polly Pocket, like because <gasps> my favorite Polly Pocket from when I was little had like a horse barn in it, and like it just went missing over the years. And I was like, I should buy that again. You should. <laughs> so change out for a pig. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for talking to us. Again, this is Brittany Alaskas from Central Texas Pig Rescue. Where can we find you online? Uh, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Central Texas Pig Rescue. Uh, you can find us on the website at centraltexaspigs.org. And on the website, you will find information about owning a pet pig. You will find information about our adoption process. You will find information about sponsoring a pig or any other farm animal that we have here that you might want to contribute to um, or about some of the special projects we have. So all of that is located on our website. Thank you. Thanks, ladies.
yeah, special thanks to Brittany Aleskis and her husband, Dan, who also runs Central Texas Pig Rescue. He was not there for our interview, but we know that he's very cool. We've met both of them before at events that we've done. We did a, a previous uh, iteration of vegan drinks with them. And also our prom is benefiting Central Texas Pig Rescue. So that's an interesting tie-in. And we're going to have them do like some kind of a piggy prom. Uh, if we're super lucky, we'll get them to come out during the prom with one of their pigs. But that's like super, super incredibly lucky. We might not get to do that. But we're, we're going to do something prommy with the piggies. Because she, like, she was like freaking thrilled about it when I mentioned it to her. <laughs> But yeah, so if you're in the Austin area, sometime this fall, we will be having a prom. I know it's not when normal prom is, but we're vegans, so what do you expect? And it'll probably be at a bar in Austin somewhere. Because um, it's us, so what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, like I'm not gonna, no, it's gonna be at a bar, like for sure, with dirty bathrooms with drunk people that aren't there for the event that you're there for um what did what did we say earlier oh yeah streamers on the floor before the party even starts like that's what kind of promise is gonna be we're just gonna like go in or decorate and be like blowing some confetti cannons we have to buy confetti cannons first (laughs) how much is a confetti i just meant like the little poppers (laughs) oh those things like the new year's thingies yeah that are like three dollars for 20 or something yeah let's get those just like make the wherever we're having it we'll just make it like super dirty and and terrible with confetti but yeah (laughs) anyway so yeah special thanks to Brittany. you can find central texas pig rescue online on facebook you can email them you can volunteer with them they really really like volunteers and they have so many pigs you guys so many pigs if you ever feel like donating to a charity this is a really special place to do it because not only is it fucking pigs man but it's run by two vegans who really 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 care about animals so and they do all sorts of stuff they have birthday parties they have uh like charity events they'll bring pigs places if you want to bring pigs places Mm mm-hmm they're they're really awesome super duper awesome man well thanks for listening you guys this is episode 38 we'll see you soon well i don't know if we're a (laughs) weekly podcast anymore but i think we'll be here next week too so thanks guys we're a podcast and we're working on it i think we're we're just gonna keep our we're gonna keep our theme song like fuck it like well oh yeah no it's the coolest song yeah like who like i would never change that even if our shows changed (laughs) like we're like once a year, but we're still going to just keep that title. Yeah. I should like go back. <laughs> I should go get old episodes and like change the intros to be like, this is episode 39 and it's really like episode two and it's just like redone. <laughs> and like every now I'll insert like stuff about Y2K. That's that's, uh, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Y2K. Yeah, Y2K. Just to like mix it up. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Another Vegan Podcast is recorded in Austin, Texas by your hosts, Brittany Hamby and Cassie Sines. Our producer is Juan Martinez. Intro music by David DiDonato. For show notes, news, recipes, and more, check out our website at anotherveganpodcast.org. Subscribe using iTunes and Stitcher, and don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for Another Vegan Podcast. Thanks for listening.